You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. It is always great to see family, and really, in, in some respects, every Sunday is like a family reunion, isn't it? And uh, today, particularly, we've got our dear friends Patrick and Nisha Campbell and PJ and Jordan uh, with us. They're from Atlanta. Uh, Patrick and Nisha served our congregation as youth pastors for a number of years and uh, went to Atlanta, uh, where they are both are teaching and also continuing to serve in a vineyard church there. Uh, it is a delight for us to welcome Patrick to come and speak. He's going to continue our series authentic love. Let's give it up for Patrick Campbell. Bless you. Thank you. Whew. It's so surreal. Um, I was sitting over there and Callie and Allie were babies when we were here. And then there are youth that are in college or working in the church, and we're like, we're not getting old, are we? No, no, that's, that's not it, God. You wouldn't say that. Uh, it is so good to be here. This is literally homecoming for us. Like, I, I, I was reflecting on how Paul would write to different churches that, and now he's someplace else, but then when he came back and he would see, and he would just be filled with joy, And that's what I felt watching them get baptized and seeing what's going on. It's just that sense of joy and that we had a hand in that, but then that God just continues doing it, right? And so it just feels good to be be here. We are honored to be here this morning. Um, So you all have begun a series called uh, Authentic Love. Um, And this morning I'm tasked with uh, the love called, in the Hebrew, ahava, um, or we commonly call in the Greek, phileo, uh, friendship, brotherly, brotherly love. Um, A major difficulty, though, when we start talking about these, these different forms of love is that within our time, we overuse them, don't we? We overuse the word love. I love this hamburger. I love this car. I love my wife. I love this team. We overuse it. And we also overuse the term friendship. When I was a seminary student, I was just amazed at all of the different meanings for love. And that within the English language, we only have one. And so what happens over over time, we overuse it and it gets watered down. But in today's word of love, phileo, that that friendship, that brotherly love, I was thinking about my mother. My mother used to always tell me, everyone ain't your friend. (laughs) Everyone ain't your friend, especially when I got in trouble. Everyone ain't your friend. And when we think about it, and when we look at social media, It's created this thought. Remember when we used to have only two or three friends? Like two or three best friends. And then we had like associates or or passerbys or well-wishers, right? But now some of us, even in this room right now, we have over 500 friends, 600 friends, 1,000 friends. According to Facebook, Instagram, or even TikTok, those are all of our friends. And then when we look at that list, 
There's five of them that we actually know. <laughs> and two or three of them, depending on how the wind blows that day, you might cut them off. <laughs> and so what happens with this is that it's really dangerous when this belief of love and friendship begins to kind of infiltrate and intertwine with our, our, our walk in our lives as followers. But also in what the world sees as our walk and our life as followers. Because friendship should be trusting. Friendship should be life-giving. It should be encouraging. It should be protective. It should always demonstrate the connectedness of God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, when I say that, some of us may seem a little overwhelmed by it. Well, they're perfect. I can't do that, Patrick. So our mind gets blown with that. But then what we have to look at is the relationship of Jesus and his disciples and how he demonstrated that. So today we're going to take a look at that form of friendship. Love by way of friendship. Love by way of friendship. So we're going to take a look at two passages today if you want to get your Bibles out or just be prepared for it. It's 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. And then the second one is going to be John chapter 15, 12 through 14. Let us take a moment to pray. Holy Spirit, come. Father, these are your words. And so I just ask right now, God, that you... Open our hearts, our minds, that you quiet out the outside world right now, Lord God, so that we could focus on you and what you have to say to us in this moment. Father God, I pray against any hardness of heart or anything, Lord God, and just pray that we receive, correct what needs to be corrected, heal what needs to be healed, Lord God, encourage what needs to be encouraged. But Lord, I just give you this time completely to your hands. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So in looking at 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 3, we have to look at the relationship between David and Jonathan, but we have to look at a little bit of background before we get to the passage, just to get some context here. So in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, we are introduced to David. David, who is uh, God's anointed to be king of Israel because King Saul disobeyed and actually King Saul became more in love with the crown than he did obeying God. And so David is anointed and we understand in 16 that David is the one that's overlooked. He's the one that's bypassed. But God looked at his heart and said, that's the one that I want. And so we fast forward from chapter 16 to chapter 17. And in chapter 17, we have this event, David versus Goliath, Goliath the Philistine. And no person in the army of Israel was willing to accept Goliath's challenge, except David, this little shepherd boy, because he, he, he trusted God. My God is greater than this Philistine. And so David accepts the challenge. David was not intimidated when all of these warriors were intimidated. And David kills Goliath. 
And the, the army of Israel is encouraged, but it gave them permission to, to attack and rout the Philistines. And King Saul says this in chapter 1755, whose son is this young man? Whose son? It's an interesting question. Whose son? Not who is this boy? Who is this man? Whose son is this young man? And David comes to him and declares, he is the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Now, I want you to think about this as we look at the passage that Jonathan has been with his father and has seen the exploits of David. And he's heard the question that his father has just asked. So just think about this in context as we now read 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 through 3. Now it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as himself. And Saul took him that day and did not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. First thing we have to understand is that love by way of friendship is connection. It is connection. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of of David. There was something that instantly connected the two of them. Now, if we think about it, there's nothing worldly that would connect the two. David is a shepherd boy. David is poor. Jonathan is rich. Jonathan is a prince. So there's nothing outside that would connect them to each other. And the world would look at it and say, why would you want to align yourself with this boy? Have you ever met someone that you just connected with? That you just aligned with, just just talking to them the first time, all of a sudden something just clicked and you connected with that person. Perhaps it's sports. Go dogs. Perhaps it's family. My wife is about to leave. She's a Florida fan. Uh, Perhaps it's family. But here's the, the interesting thing. A lot of times we connect with people who are sometimes our complete opposite. That there should be no real connection whatsoever between them. I want to say this today. Connection is not always by race. It's not by social status. It's not by political affiliation. It's not by any thing that we check a box with. And today's world would have us believe that connection is like that. One point for consideration for us within the church is that we are all connected by Jesus Christ. Jesus is who knits us together. And so some are like, well, but then that means the world, but watch this. Christ loved the world. And so our love for each other should be that as well as for the world outside. 
One of the worst things to do is to, to force a connection. Children forced to play together with each other. Now, I want you to be friends with them because... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Because the, uh, the parents want to get along. Or, and this has happened to me, and this is my transparent moment, you may go someplace and you might be the only minority there. And they look for the one person that is black. Oh, Patrick, let me introduce you to... And me and that person, I mean, the only thing that we're connected by is by our color. It's funny. Um, when I, 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 years ago, taught at Augusta Christian, and I instantly connected with three guys there. Um, Robert Cox, uh, Jamie Grant, and, um, and uh, Joseph Lutz. And we just instantly connected by talking about just life. That was our instant connection. But then there were people that were like, hey, Pat, and if you are familiar with Keith Walton, they're like, hey, Patrick, hey, let me introduce you to Keith. And me and Keith were, I mean, we were great friends, but who I connected with, who I had an alignment with, we didn't look the same. And we came from three different worlds. And so with God, a lot of times we just need to talk to someone to see if we connect with them. Let's not look at the outside and say, oh, who, who connects with? Let me see. Who, they, they're going to feel comfortable with it. I'm going to feel comfortable who I feel comfortable with. That's just the truth of it. So love by way of friendship is connection. Love by way of friendship encourages calling. If we look back to the question that Saul said, whose son is this? Right? Whose son is this? That's an odd question to ask, isn't it? We are knit for the purpose of helping each other grow in our callings. We often pray that Jesus let us become the men and women that you have called and designed us to be. Well, guess what? We are the tools that he uses to encourage that calling. The Holy Spirit within us. And it says, and we have to pay attention to this, anytime you see in Scripture something said twice, that Jonathan loved David as himself. But culture teaches us that you should love yourself more than anyone else. I'm even hearing now, like in marriages, oh, you, you have to love yourself before you can love your spouse. Or, well, good, let me know how that works out for you. No, that, that's, that's not how this works. Culture teaches that, but it's countercultural. Everything in God is countercultural. Jonathan should actually be wary of David from this point on. Because in verse 2, he takes David into his home and doesn't allow him to go back. Whose son is this? Now he's my son. And what does Jonathan do? Most of us may be afraid. Most of jealous. Can you imagine the jealousy and envy some of us would feel in this? But I believe that Jonathan sees something on David. 
Jonathan sees an anointing on David. He sees a call on David. And in this moment of anointing and call, I want to see that come to fruition. There is anointing on you. Every single one of us in here, there's a calling on you. Now the question becomes, how are we cultivating each other's anointing and calling? How are we building and encouraging the calling that God has on our lives? In verse four, and I know we didn't read it, but this is really important. Jonathan stripped himself of his robes and he gave it to David, this shepherd boy, and gives him his armor, his sword, his bow, and his belt. I see your anointing and your calling, David. And now I want you to see the transition from a shepherd to a king in waiting. By right of blood, Jonathan was supposed to be king. But God's calling will always supersede man's reason and the things that we have planned. And so Jonathan begins to teach David, this is how royalty walks. This is how royalty dresses. And he becomes David's biggest cheerleader. You can do it, David. You can make it. When he needs to be corrected, now you know I'm coming to you as a brother. That was wrong. I love you. Because he sees this calling, he becomes his cheerleader. And since Jonathan loved David as himself, he wants the same success for David that he would have. It's not self-centered about my success. Because guess what? When you succeed, I succeed. We all succeed. Me sitting here watching those two little girls that I remember as like this, getting baptized, I succeeded. Because I remember praying for them. I remember when they were babies and praying for them and connecting with those families. I succeeded. And yes, that's how we should be. Anytime someone succeeds within the body of Christ, yes. Yes. Come on, we need to be each other's biggest cheerleaders. We need some Jonathans. We need to have that same type of heart, that same type of spirit behind us. But love by way of friendship is also a covenant. He makes a covenant with David. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. This covenant, this alliance, this pledge that Jonathan will now align himself with David. He's going to align himself with David over the throne and eventually over his own father's wishes. That Jonathan is going to stand in the way of his own father when his father wants David dead. That when the father is ready to kill David, 
Jonathan comes and says, what has he done to you? And reminds him of everything that David did. And then even at one point, when Saul throws the javelin, it almost hits Jonathan. We should desire to align with each other as Jonathan aligned with David. Being children of the faith, I am in covenant with you. We are in covenant with each other. And guess what? Jesus actually commands this of us. This is not optional. This isn't something we could pick up and say, you know what, I'm going to pick up all of this, but right here, I'm, I'm not going to do this part of it. It's not optional. John chapter 15, 12 through 14. Here's what Jesus says. This is my commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Now, this is interesting because we study Greek and Hebrew, but Jesus spoke Aramaic. And so when we look at this word here, and it's actually a word within scholarship that has, it has a little difficulty with it. Um, uh, Hest, it has kind of a to it as well, but it's H-E-S-E-D, Hest. Um, and we have tried to figure out, well, it really doesn't, it doesn't really connect like an agape or a hava. Um, and so the reason that there's a lot of confusion with it is because there's nothing quite like it. And so usually what we do is we give it the word community. But if we remove the community, lately most scholars have said it's more like an attach an attachment, but it's, it's an attachment in terms of if you think about it like, you know the heavy duty construction types of glue and adhesives, like um, uh, a Loctite or a um, Gorilla Glue or something like that, that once you put it on something and you bond it, if it's not done right, you have to like remove the whole thing. There's nothing that's gonna take it off. And so, what they've started saying is when we read verses like this where Jesus is talking, that the word love, we need to put attach or aligned. So it almost read like this. This is my commandment that you attach yourselves to one another. Just as I have attached myself to you. Greater attachment has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. Gives a different meaning now, doesn't it? It feels different. That this bond, it's not like Velcro that you could just, but that literally if, if, you, if, if it has to be moved, you got to move the whole structure. That is what he's saying here. We need to align ourselves like this to each other. And then we look at verse 13 and we often say, 
Well, lay down life means, means death, but it, it's a both and that's actually being used here. For lay down his life is, uh, is to death, but I submit to you for consideration that Jesus is not just talking about death alone, but laying aside my life for your life. Because our lives are now aligned. We are tied together. So if you leave the body of, if you leave the body of Christ, I feel that. It's not just, well, they're not here today. It's more like, why, where's, where is so-and-so? I haven't seen them in a while. I need to give them a call. I need to text them. Hey, do you know why, what's his, why they're not here? Do, do you know what's going on in their lives? Because we're so connected that we feel it as an entire body. And so if we do this for each other, no one is lacking in love. Because we're all aligned to each other. There's never this thing where it's like, well, I'm not getting love. No, you are getting love because you're receiving it from each other. No one is lacking in it. And then what happens from this? We connect better in love. We can encourage each other more in love. We can partner together more in love. And then I believe this. I believe the church, the body of Christ, will actually truly represent God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and fulfill the prayer of Jesus in John 17, 21, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us. But here's the kicker. This is where the world's part come in, so that the world may believe that you sent me. It's never just for here. It's always for out there. It's never supposed to be concentrated. It's supposed to go out. I want to I wanna end with, with these words. With these words. When I was preparing for this, I grew up in the 90s, so I'm a, I love hip-hop, okay? So y'all are really going to love this next part. In the words of the late rapper, Tupac Shakur, I need to start to see you as a brother instead of two distant strangers, because that's what it's supposed to be. How can the devil take a brother if he's close to me? How can the devil attack a brother if we're like this? How can he attack my sister if we're like this? Because when he attacks them, you're attacking me. I'm a, I'm a big... Um, I'm a big nerd when it comes to like animals and stuff. I like watching like National Geographic and things. It drives Nisha crazy. Um, <laughs> she'll walk in and see things like, why are you watching this? But when, when predatory animals attack herds, they always try to thin them out and the herds try to stay together because they can't attack all at once. Because if they attack one with the whole herd there, the herd turns around and attacks the predator. Mm -hmm. 
But if they could get one by itself, that's when they'll attack. And that's the one that they pick out. Can you imagine how, how hard it is for the devil when we're all connected and when he starts to attack our marriages and our families and our health and our finances and things like that. But when we come alongside each other, all of a sudden it gets more difficult for him. Let's not make it easy for him. When I was in China, um, I taught in China for a summer and got to know the church there and everything like that. And there's no physical buildings, no physical buildings of the church. And yet I experienced the church every single day and the people that I interacted with because they were the church. They did life together every single day by way of friendship to each other at the laundromat, at the grocery stores, at the parks, praying for each other, having dinner with each other, things like that. And in reflection, I think COVID has put us in that place where we've had to get outside of this building. That part of it may be, you know what? They're not going to leave that building. I'm going to make them leave it. I'm going to make it so they can't even go to it. And now I'm going to push it out more and more. So love by way of friendship. Let the church grow, connect, align with each other more and more so that our light shines to the world. And they'll see his good works and say, there's something about those people over there. I want to know more about them. I've, I've never seen Christians like this before. Let's pray, y'all. Holy Spirit, come. Oh, Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. And so, Father, I just pray right now for all of us here. As we go into a time of ministry, Lord, there's, I, I know there are needs within this, this body. There's always needs. Some of us, some of us want to keep things to ourselves, Lord. But Father, I just pray right now that there be a freedom, a release right now in the name of Jesus, that we will pray and intercede for each other, that those things that are needs and even wants, Lord God, become, become expressions outwardly. That we tell my brothers and my sisters, this is what's going on in my life. Please pray for me that there is no shame, that there is no condemnation, Lord, but that we come together as the family, that we represent you, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and that the spirit of, of your love, your phileo love, friendship, would just permeate all of us, Lord God. As we go through the weeks, as we go through the months, as we go through the years, Lord God, let that love grow stronger and stronger and stronger together and together, Lord. Let it, and always for your glory, for your kingdom, for your will to be done. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.